Hello, and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we'll talk with Roy Shrout, Deputy Coordinator of Fairfax County's Office of Emergency Management, chatting about National Preparedness Month, the Emergency Management Office, and what steps you can take to be better prepared for any type of emergency. So a lot to talk about, Roy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jim. Big, uh, important uh, month going on right now. September is National Preparedness Month, so we're going to dive into a lot about that and what residents can do. But before we do that, let's learn about who Roy Shrout is. How long have you been with the county, first of all? Hi, Jim. I've been with the county. I was hired in May of 1988, so a little over 26 years at this point. Veteran, all right. Absolutely. Where did you start? Where have you been? Uh, actually, in the county, I've gotten to, uh, I've moved to two different uh, uh, occupations. Uh, when I was hired, I came in as a call taker for the 911 center, hmm. worked my way up through as a shift supervisor, and then in 2003, I was offered a position with emergency management, and so I've been with uh, OEM ever mm. since then. Mm. So it's been a very enjoyable uh, uh, time here in the county, and still hope to have a few more years ahead right. of me. And right. prior to that, I uh, was a career, mi- or not a career military officer, but I was commissioned military officer, oh. armored cavalry, did six oh. years uh, reserve time, so, and a few other odd jobs yeah. in between yeah, there. Interesting. So okay. that's, uh, uh, a history then of, I guess, public service, emergency-related, public safety kind of kind of jobs here with the county. Absolutely. Yeah kind of something you kind of always wanted to do or kind of had that inkling? Uh, absolutely. And I think a lot of this stemmed from the military hmm. uh, that I had, some of the uh, things I did uh, back in college. Uh, and ultimately, my dad actually found the position for me when he worked for the county after he retired from the military. Okay. And I stepped right in, and it's been enjoyable. OEM has been something I had looked at when I was in the 911 center uh, as something that is really in a, a growing field. Right. And so I trained up, got into yeah, it. And yeah been moving okay. forward. We've had uh, a couple of folks from the, the county's 911 center on the conversation before and talked about that uh, that challenging work, that uh, that life safety work. Uh, uh, highlight or big memory, fond memory that you have of 911? Uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, you've watched the shows. You can, you can see and hear some of the different calls that you get. But I would say the typical call every day that most of the call takers take are very quiet, uh, very unassuming. Uh, it's once in a while you do get some uh, career enders, which mm-hmm. uh, really make for a difficult situation, yeah. and you that stick with you the rest of your uh, yeah. career. But uh, very challenging job, and uh, my my uh, very professional. Uh, the the job has morphed into so much more than yeah. uh, just yeah. taking a phone call. You have to be able to sit there and and deal with uh, people who are very frustrated, who mm-hmm. have just lost a loved one, and things like that. So yeah. it's and plus the technology. Uh, there's a That's lot of capability now true. in the center. So. Yeah. Very, very good. Interesting. A lot of technology in the Office of Emergency Management as well. Uh, talk to us about the, the acronym is OEM, Emergency Office of Emergency Management. So talk to us about what Fairfax County's Office of Emergency Management is and what it is it does. Absolutely. Do. <laughs> and, and emergency management actually is a career that has been evolving steadily for the last uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, OEM's history, just really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, we actually were a very small agency within the police department. And back in 2003, 2004, the county actually uh, created its own agency, so Mm. we became a standalone. Our office primary responsibility is, one, developing plans, annexes, things like that to help the agencies 
handle different situations at different events and things like that. The other big part that we do is the coordination. And with the coordination comes the responsibility for managing the Emergency Operations Center, the EOC. Mm. And that is a site uh, which basically all of the county uh, decision makers come uh, agencies are represented, uh, private nonprofits, others from outside the county, Red Cross, things like this, come. So if we have a major event, such as the derecho a couple of years ago, we had the large snow events in 2009, 2010, several uh, rain events, things like this. Uh, all of the personnel in local government and those support groups, Dominion Power as well, uh, can sit there. We can deal with the disaster. Public safety is doing their thing out on the incident field. Uh, we are helping coordinate what they're doing, bringing the resources to bear, mm -hmm. uh, and working with the residents and things like that. So you have that coordination all in one roof, mm -hmm. uh, and it really makes for a very efficient system. Mm -hmm. So emergency management is not necessarily as <clears throat> maybe the movies portray the the guys running out into the field solving the issue or you know, doing everything right there on the scene. Is is it more, as you say, coordinating and making sure that that the stuff and the people are, are where they need to be kind of thing? Absolutely. The, the career is not the glamorous career, mm. as, you, as you've mentioned, with regards to police and fire. Obviously, they have the, the vehicles and the, the uniforms and things mm. like that, and they're out front seeing the public, which is fantastic. Our role is to support them, and mm. it's not to do anything above and beyond. It's, it's like I said, if, if we have some type of an event, and it can be something as small as a thunderstorm that's gone through the area, uh, such as we had several months ago down in the New Alexandria part of the mm. county, where uh, fire and rescue law enforcement were down there, lots of trees down, things like that from a straight line wind. So we are not there dealing with the event per se. We're actually in the emergency operations center helping them, you know, like I said before, getting resources, uh, putting information out to mm -hmm. the public, uh, road closures, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, you mentioned the emergency operations center and in case uh, you're listening, uh, we actually had Suleiman Brown from the Office of Emergency Management on as a guest of the conversation. I don't know, several months ago, interesting talk about the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center, and, and some other aspects of emergency management, so you can go back and listen to that one as well. But I uh, wanted to have you on this month particularly because it's National Preparedness Month, uh, 13th anniversary, I believe, of National Preparedness Month, uh, uh, following on the September 11, uh, 2001 uh, terrorist attacks, of course. Uh, a, a busier time for emergency management professionals, the month of September? Okay. Absolutely. September, we get uh, many, many homeowner associations and other business opportunities to come out and speak. Uh, a lot of federal agencies within the National Capital Region, we do a lot of partnerships with those folks. Mm. Uh, we've had our staff out doing presentations, FBI, CIA, multiple federal agencies, as well as military, Fort Belvoir example. Mm. But we also do the majority of our uh, outreach at uh, local events, mm -hmm. i.e., uh, a lot of the police stations are hosting separate events. We've had staff throughout the uh, the month so far at those events. We do fairs. Uh, hmm. World Police and Fire Games is something that's coming up in 2015. We uh, we work with those folks as well to do uh, booths and things like this at the fairs to present the, the mm -hmm. preparedness message. But, yes, yeah, September is definitely uh, the larger month mm -hmm. uh, to get the the words out. So, so what are you telling residents when you're going out to these festivals and fairs or presentations? What What's the message if I if I'm listening to to you or someone else from emergency management talk about emergency preparedness? What What does that mean for me? 
Well, it's interesting. Over the years, I think the definition continues to change. Uh, we've always preached that you need to have 72 hours worth of food and water at your home and mm-hmm. things like this. Uh, the message continues to evolve, you know, because a lot, with, with this particular region, you have a lot of transient population. So you need to make sure you have prepared kits within your car, mm-hmm. uh, both family members, children, that type of thing. So obviously, you make a plan, make a kit, stay informed. I think those are the big three key messages. But I think people really need to take those to heart. And we, what we find typically is, for example, after Hurricane Isabel in 2003, we had a rush of outreach requests. Right. So we were out there talking to the public, a lot of stuff going on in Fairfax County. But then it dies off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we can't keep that momentum going. So one of the things that we always try and stress is always make this part of what your daily occupation is. The fire department pushes out, you know, uh, changing your batteries in your uh, smoke detector. Right, so right. we also say the same thing is when you do that, pull out your kit, replace the food, replace the water, things like this. So you have that constant touching of the system that you mm-hmm. know it's there and make mm-hmm. sure it's pro- proactive. The other important part, the other important part, too, is you've got to remember that if you have children, infants, you have pets, you've got to account for those folks mm-hmm. as well. So pets are going to need their own food. They're going to sure. need their toys. Uh, infants, children are going to need something to occupy their time. So if the opportunity arises where you have to leave that location, make sure you, right. uh, you're you ready to right. go with that. And I think the last peak key element is communications. Mm. All of us are mobile. We have multiple families or multiple spouses doing multiple jobs, children in school. You need to understand how to get a hold of everybody if the event happens. Mm-hmm. I have a central location to go to afterwards, a primary phone contact outside of the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these things are, I think, very important right. as you continue to make your preparedness. Well, and and what I've heard, too, is if there is a situation, um, an emergency, don't immediately try to get on your cell phone or your landline phone. Maybe use some of the social media technologies of posting on Facebook or tweet or something like that to let your family and friends know to try to reserve those uh, those telephone capabilities for, for 911 calls, et cetera. Is a, a difference in the way we're preparing and responding? Well, social media has uh, taken off, and all of us have some type of smartphone technology for the most part. And there are a number of applications that you can download that allow you to share information with the family members and whatnot. In Fairfax County, when we stand up our emergency operations center, we have a very robust uh, uh, public information component, and we call it a joint information center. Mm -hmm. And there we actually have staff from the Office of Public Affairs who actually pushes information out to uh, media, social media, things like this. Mm So the answer is yes. You want to stay off your cell phones as as much as possible. You can send texts, which actually uses a different pipe within the Mm -hmm. systems. Uh, It doesn't occupy the the same cellular services that you need. It's a much more efficient system, and in a lot of cases, you can get an SMS text out before you can get a cell phone mm, call out. Okay. So absolutely. Interesting way things have changed and constantly changing. Um, one of the things we want to talk about about that mobile communication is Fairfax alerts and being able to receive emergency messages from Fairfax County on your, your smartphone or mobile device. But before we get there, I want to kind of back up because we you touched on disaster supplies, emergency supplies, and a kit, not only for the home, but also having some of these things in your car. And you talked about infants or pets or uh, older adults that may be in your family. So it sounds daunting. It sounds challenging to put this kit together. That sounds like something I'm not going to be able to do, Roy. I mean... You know, it's an interesting... Again, this is something that actually is asked of us quite often. We have... um, 
there's a program that uh, came out through the Red Cross several years ago. We've implemented it here in Fairfax County called the STEP program, and it's something that is being uh, incorporated into the Fairfax County school system right now. Mm. Uh, this is the first year where we've had a significant number of participants. The program, and I'm going to go into great detail, but essentially mm. gets the children active at the fourth grade level uh, and preparedness. Oh. They then take the information back to their re- their parents, mm-hmm. and there's some things they have to put together. They have to put a kit together and all that. So you have that you have that beginning of being prepared from right. the child, and right. that's that's very important. As far as um, um, the difficulty, yeah, the difficulties or, with or everything. Cost. Yeah, the cost. What what we tell people is, for the most part, you have all the makings of the kit already in your home. Oh, okay. So you've got to look at it from the standpoint of what do you have in your cupboards? What are what's what are things that are not going to spoil? I yeah. Mean, okay. If you have canned goods and you put it in your kit, that's fine. But remember, when the electricity goes off, the electric can opener is not going to work. <laughs> that's so, true. So so and you know this is manual, something funny because there is a manual can opener. There absolutely is. And and in two thousand and three, after Katra, or Isabel, that was one of the big uh, food pause, if you will. We, we did a lot of the outreach. People said, oh, yeah, we expected power still be right, on, right. but it wasn't. But so so that's one option. Other options are there are uh, some of the businesses in the region, some of them do offer kits sometimes. Mm. So you can talk to them. So you can go in there and actually purchase a kit. Mm. Uh, some of the larger companies out there, uh, I know at some point Costco sometimes and, and, and Best Buy, not Best Buy, but Home Depot and Lowe's at some points. But again, I think the important thing is, is make it a family event. Get your family together. Talk about what kind of needs you may have for a period of two to three days. We've all experienced uh, weather outages where we've lost electricity. We've all experienced being stuck in a car in traffic, Mm -hmm. which is a daily occurrence. What kind of things do you need to be able to sit there and make yourself comfortable for the period of time? considering that you will, will not have electricity yeah. uh, and that you need to be able to fend for yourself. And, and what, that's yeah. kind of the direction. What was it, um, uh, election day snowstorm or something a year or two ago? There were uh, folks caught on the roads for six, seven, eight hours. I can't remember the specific That was right. Event. Again, uh, snowmageddon, snow apocalypse. This yeah. was called uh, Carmageddon. Yeah, yeah. So that's all right. these interesting terms. Uh, that was in February, uh, and it was literally about a four to five inch snowfall that took place starting in the early afternoon. Uh, everybody left their offices early. The federal government closed down, so you put the entire population mm. of occupants right. on the streets. I personally took a 13-mile trip. took me over six and a half hours to get right. home. So those kinds of things, although they don't happen often, they do happen. So, again, here's where it would be nice to have something in your car, whether some snacks, whether yeah, I was it's say, what, what should I have in my car? Yeah, and, and that. You know, people say, well, you know, during the wintertime, the water's going to freeze. But in theory, yeah, maybe if it's sticking in the trunk. But if you keep it in the, the front part of the car or if you get stuck in, right. stuck in an environment, you bring it forward and it's going to thaw out. But you want something to snack on, something that's not very salty because obviously that's going to mm. get you more dehydrated. Right. Uh, I would also recommend some kind of a blanket or some type of clothing. So if you're in a situation where you either run out of gas and it's very, very cold, you Mm -hmm. need to obviously Mm -hmm. have that. So, again, those are very basic things. And, again, if you have children, potentially, bring a book, bring some kind of something to keep them occupied as well. But it doesn't take much. And, again, a little bit uh, is going to go a long way in those circumstances. And and try to keep your, your cell phone, your mobile phone, charged up. Uh, because if you're at home and you lose power, a lot of times you'll lose your phone, so you can use your cell phone. But if you've got a charger in the car, you can always go out to the car every once in a while and keep your phone charged. So 
That's kind of a tip I've learned recently. Absolutely. Uh, the other the other component to this too is there's solar chargers out there, and they're mm. fairly inexpensive. So you can purchase one that actually will allow multiple devices for probably about sixty dollars. Wow. Uh, and you can go and plug those in as well. So again, if that option is not available, that's another potential right. option, and keep that with you. And and the whole idea is you want to be completely functional at all times, and yeah. again have that car cord and i would always recommend even keeping it in the car at all times and then mm-hmm. you know it's, it's already there for yeah, you as well yeah, so. absolutely well and another one i've heard that i i really just i can't seem to get it is always keep at least a quarter of tank of gas in the car it's I see the quarter and I go, I need to fill up, but it's like a game. I wait to see how far on the fumes I can go. So <laughs> that's right. Not uh, a good thing. Well, of course, gas prices are dropping steadily, but uh, still not to the point where we are. And of course, that's always a concern. But the, the reason you want to do that, especially as we're approaching the winter months, is uh, when you have a very low tank of gas and it's in the winter months, there's a tendency for whatever condensation in the gasoline to freeze up. So you're hmm. more prone to that. Whereas if you keep your tank full, three quarters full, uh, you're going to have to be less likely to have those kinds of issues and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's obvious. Again, we all – there's no preaching to the choir here. Uh, the bottom line is if, if we all are in traffic in some capacity going into D.C. or in this area or coming out, uh, a quarter tank of gas is barely going to get you to <laughs> anywhere. So, so really, I, our recommendation actually is half to three quarters. Wow. Uh, and it's important uh, because if those situations arise where you actually are stuck in traffic and you, you're, you know, 10, 12 mm-hmm. hours, you're going to need to run that car. It's going to yeah, run it down yeah. quickly. One example very quickly is during Katrina, I was actually, uh, I served there for two weeks uh, in their emergency operations center. Mm. One of the things that we had picked up from there is when they were doing the mass evacuation, uh, we had people that were stuck in traffic, had literally run out of gas, and they were there for three days. Oh, my and gosh. Summer, you know, summer yeah. 95 to 100-degree temperatures, they had nothing in their cars, no toilet paper, no nothing, and they were mm. stuck on the side of the road. So, wow. again, having a full tank of gas, although it may not get you to the, your final destination right. in this case, uh, it's going to help you a little more. As well as that car Absolutely. kit help you at least for a day or two or something instead of, yeah, instead of being out of luck. We had talked about the importance of your mobile phone, your smartphone, in staying connected with family, friends, texting instead of trying to make calls. But it's also a receiving device from the Office of Emergency Management, uh, which recently um, changed its alerting system and rebranded it with a new name, Fairfax Alerts. Tell me a little bit about that and what, what that means for residents. The, uh, the uh, most of the f- uh, residents who were already part of the original system, uh, which we've had in place for over 10 years, um, that system worked very, very well. As uh, mm-hmm. what we looked at on behalf of the National Capital Region was what's new out there, what kind of new functionality, what kind of capabilities. So we went through a process and uh, ultimately selected the new vendor, uh, and it has done very well for us. Uh, all the jurisdictions in the National Capital Region are using the same system now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all interoperable. Uh, the functionality for the system will allow us a little bit greater flexibility from the emergency management side. Number one, as a resident coming into Fairfax County, you have multiple options as far as setting up what devices you would like your messaging sent to, whether it's a smartphone, whether you still have a conventional pager, which a lot of people do carry, mm. uh, as do as do I and some of our folks in the office. Uh, you have the ability to have SMS, text, mm. emails, things like that, up to about 10 devices. Uh-huh. The other part of it is you can prioritize. So if you have a family, uh, you can have all of the devices for those people set up in the same system. Uh-huh. So that's one advantage. Two, we've got the automated weather now. So in the past, we really didn't have that. So now what you can do is when you go in and register the system, 
you have a multiple layers of weather that you can get. Mm whether you want it all the time, certain bracketed hours, things like this. Right. And this gives you much greater okay. uh, opportunities from, right. the, from the residents. Get what I want when I want it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, function you're talking about with the smartphones, that's the mobile application is something now that the public can download from that company. Oh, okay. uh, that gives them more versatility by uh, doing a little bit more uh, uh, functionality other than just getting a message. Mm -hmm. One of the benefits there we, we are exploring is how to interact with the public more on a one-on-one -on -one basis. With oh. that app, that mobile application, we can actually sit there, send messaging. If you say, for example, you're on the scene of a gas leak. Uh, and we, uh, we want to talk with you, we can actually send out a message specifically to a geographically targeted location. And then if somebody has that mobile app, they can actually respond back to us and we can have mm. that two-way communication. And that's mm. something we've never had before. Mm. Uh, that's something new, but again, it's exploring the new uh, nuances right. of social media yeah. and the technology going out there. So it's going to give us a greater opportunity to deal with the public, but also get more firsthand information directly right. into the EOC. Right. Okay. And uh, so if you're listening, fairfaxcounty.gov slash alerts, that's with an S on the end, alert. <laughs> plural <laughs> is is where folks can uh, can register and get signed up and i understand it's pretty pretty quick and easy and it's a free service and yes absolutely okay. Okay. absolutely um almost out of time um as we're, we're wrapping it up seems like we just started chatting um we've talked about emergency management what it is what it does uh national preparedness month ongoing during september fairfax alerts Anything I haven't asked you, we haven't talked about, we haven't touched on uh, in the emergency management area that, that you'd like to, to, to end up with? Yeah, and again, I think it's, it's important. And, and we, we pitch the preparedness thing all the time. And there have been studies done to look at, you know, what the population has done after they've had presentations, mm -hmm. after events and things like this. The thing about it is this needs to be a part of your everyday thought process. You mm. need to anticipate that, you know, again, it doesn't have to be a terrorist event. In fact, those are not as likely as what a lot of people realize. We in the National Capital Region really get a lot of different weather. And as we have seen for the last two years, weather is increasingly getting a little bit more intense, if you mm -hmm. will. So you've got to anticipate the fact that you're going to be without power for potentially extended periods of time. You've got to anticipate maybe even being stuck at work mm, uh, for, for, for time periods because that's another part of this is a lot of times with the federal government in particular, uh, they keep the folks mm. there at the offices and stagger them departing. So there may be opportunities where you should look at having some kind of kit right. or some type of food, water supplies and things like that in the office. But it's important that everybody gets involved. And I would recommend highly that you bring the children involved in this because the kids really are going to be the focal point. Once the kids are involved, they're going to really push the adults to kind of think, get things going. I think a lot of the fire programs that have taken place over the last 20 years where mm -hmm. they've you know, gotten the children to participate – you get the, uh, the, the parents and the right, to do the same. Right. But I think that's important is this needs to be a daily occurrence. You need to have that daily thought process. Mm -hmm. What happens if this happens? Right. And again, it doesn't have to be a ca catastrophe. It simply could be something where you're run out of gas somewhere right. or, or something of this nature. Yeah. So, yeah, it's preparedness is important. September is obviously a big month for us, but it needs to be every, every day of the every year, day. Yeah. every day. Okay. Absolutely. We're talking with Roy Shrout, Deputy Coordinator of Emergency Management for Fairfax County. And, Roy, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you before you left for completion of a naval postgraduate program, I think. Uh, can you give me, give me sure. 30 seconds on Ab that really Absolutely. Quick. Um, the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, under the auspice of uh, Homeland Security, 
has a program called the Executive Leader Program. It's There's two cohorts typically a year, uh, 31 folks from across the uh, actually the world. We had one a student from uh, Great Britain. Hmm. Uh, disciplines, emergency management, uh, health, public safety. Uh, we had CDC. We had DHS. Uh, the program is designed to bring a group together uh, at four weekend or one week intervals over the period of nine months to talk at multi-levels with regards to what Homeland Security really is. And, and a very, very fascinating class. It opened your eyes on how to interpret things. We had multiple readings and things like this. Mm-hmm. It's just a phenomenal class. Uh, gave me really a great opportunity to right. look at what Homeland Security is and right. where, where it's going and what we should really be doing. And that's kind of what we're incorporating now into yeah. our programs. All right. But thank you and fair fact, a very, very good opportunity. Yeah, and that uh, that leader, Roy Shroud, is in our <laughs> Office of Emergency Management. So uh, if folks uh, do have questions, Roy, need to reach out to Emergency Management for a presentation, other information, how can they get a hold of uh, easy to just call our phone number, 571-350-1000, and that'll take care of it, and we'll get you connected to the right people. We've got actually an outreach program with two or three of our staff, but the rest of the office actually performs the outreach as well. So very mm-hmm. important to us. It should be very important to you, and we, we ask that you all uh, ask us. We're there for you. All right, 571-350-1000. Give them a call and put them to work. Roy Shrout, Deputy Coordinator of Emergency Management, our guest on the County Conversation with us today. And one little last bit of information. Uh, National Podcast Day is coming up Tuesday, September 30th. It's brand new. And so we want to take advantage of National Podcast Day by asking you, our listener, to do us a favor and share the County Conversation with family and friends. Uh, let them know about the podcast and encourage them to sign up either through iTunes, the Stitcher app, or any other podcast player they might have. Or you can just listen online at fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcast. So uh, take that step for us. We'd appreciate it. Thanks for uh, listening to the County Conversation produced by the Fairfax County Virginia Government. <laughs>